So listening to this group talk, I'm reminded of something the Buddha said when he was speaking to his monks. And he said, imagine that a man is trying to start a fire by rubbing sticks together. And every time that those sticks start to become warm, he stops. And then when those sticks are cold, he'll start to rub it again. And it becomes warm, and then he stops. And he said, oh monks, will that man ever produce fire? And the monks said, no, Buddha, they won't. And he said, just so, monks, as water can bore through solid stone drop by drop, if it is continuous and diligent, so, sh so too shall you practice to break through. And I find this to be very poignant, teaching pretty straightforward, but also it really starts to reflect each one of us what is our intention actually? What is this really for or about for us? There are those of us that are dabblers that are just kind of interested to see what this is. There are those of us that say, I want a little bit more peace or structure or organization in my life. And there are some people that say, I really want to break through deeply into the levels of reality to these deeper kind of states and this liberation that I've heard about, right? And um, the Buddha also gave a simile, and it was the simile of the heartwood. And he said that, you know, if there's somebody that wants heartwood, and that's the, the wood at the very center of the tree, that's like this nice, good, hard wood that you can use. Um, he said if somebody is, you know, searching for heartwood, needing heartwood, longing for heartwood, and they go to a tree and they gather the leaves, and they go home, have they fulfilled their mission? You know, if somebody goes to that tree, breaks off some of the smaller branches and twigs, carries them home, has he done what he set out to do? If somebody goes, rips the bark off that tree and takes it home, is that enough? If he goes and strips out the outer layers of harder wood, is that it, is that enough, is that close enough? And what about the man that actually goes and he takes the heart wood? He takes the actual good, hard, central working wood of the tree. And that metaphor, he went on to expound and also said, if one is searching for something deeper, something much more transformative out of this practice, and they just come and they hear the teachings, and they think, oh, that's enough, and they go home. That's like someone who just gathers the leaves, right? Or if somebody that comes and maybe they practice once and they're like, wow, that felt peaceful and then they go home and then they don't do it anymore. That's maybe someone who just gets some of the twigs, right? Or someone that comes and they, you know, practice a little bit and then they, you know, change their Facebook name to like Om Shanti or something and then they <laughs> Instagram themselves doing yoga poses and then they think, yeah, now I'm like a spiritual person, right? So that's, that's like, right, that's kind of like the outer layers of the tree. It's not it, right? But if one really comes and says, I really want this to be a transformative practice for myself, and they really practice this, and they allow it to transform them, that is one who has succeeded 
and their kind of mission and their goal. Um, so I personally find the same struggle that each of you mention about kind of making this a daily practice and getting this. That, I could say, is probably the number one difficulty that I've heard from everybody that I've taught, um, and also myself, because in the monastery, you know, there's the gong at five in the morning, and everyone gets up, and we all go, and we sit for an hour, and we meditate, and then we start the day, and there's gongs later, and you sit, and you meditate, and that makes sense. I'm on retreat. Yeah, when you're on retreat, it makes sense. It's easy to meditate. Um, if you're working a job, if you have kids, yeah, if you're sick, if you're busy, if you're stressed, if your house is a mess and you're being nagged at by your husband or wife and there's other things going on, your mind is so busy and stressed and confused that then you have free time and you don't want to do anything. You just want to, it's like the little pocket of time you find, you just want to lay in bed and just be like, please give me at least like 10 minutes of sleep so I can you know, survive this and keep moving forward. And meditation, unfortunately, like a lot of things that would be almost called self-care in that sense, starts to move farther and farther into the background to, you know, maybe I'll do it once a week or once a month or just whenever I remember to do it and I actually have some time and energy to practice. And that's kind of everyone's individual journey, I guess, I could sit up here and say to you, okay, everybody from now on every day, wake up five minutes earlier and meditate. And you'd all go, oh yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And you'd probably not even do it tomorrow. <laughs> you know, because it's just how to get that going. Um, and that's really everybody's journey. You know, I, I could say many things about this, but ultimately I've seen all of the things that I could share with you fail. Um, because it all just comes down to somebody individually deciding I'm ready. I'm ready to change my life now. I need this. I need to change something. I need to do this. Um, even if I miss a day, I'll do it the next day. It's fine. It's not like, oh, it's over. Um, but it's like a New Year's resolution. You know, people make these really strong commitments, and then it works for like a week. I'm going to go to the gym every day, you know, and then it just kind of stops. And you have to get back on the, get back on the horse. I don't know. Or isn't that a bad thing usually? Get back on the treadmill, right? So that, I would say, is why something like this today is important. Why something like a group that practices often, weekly, is super important. Because as long as you make that group, you know at least once a week you'll be putting down your butt on the mat and you'll be sitting and you can't kind of, you have to just sit there and go through it. And that's what I found to be the most supportive thing um, for us, so to say, is groups, to sit as a group. And keep doing it until you start to feel good and comfortable that then you can transition it to a daily life practice. Um, meditation as a a structured routine will not work for you if you're doing it out of a feeling of should, I should be doing this, some kind of like duty, 
or guilt, like this is good for me and I feel bad if I'm not doing it, I really should be doing it. Yeah, that's not going to build a practice for you. You can't force yourself to do anything over a long enough amount of time without becoming burnt out and exhausted. Uh, the recipe for burnout is forcing yourself to do things continuously. That's what burnout means. You get exhausted. Meditation as a recurring practice in your life only works if you enjoy it, if it feels good, if it's not like a luxury, like, uh, you know, oh, I could take a bath, I could meditate, I could go to the sauna. It's not like a luxurious kind of thing. If you see it more like, you know, brushing your teeth in the morning, more something that your day doesn't make sense without it, that you kind of need it to move forward. Um, that's when I found personally my meditation practice really starts to take fire, right? starts to take root, is when I am so viscerally connected to the benefits of it that I feel that my mind is getting more clear, more grounded, more open, I'm more awake, I'm more inspired. That's what makes me practice again and again and again and again. Because I want to. Because it feels good. Because it's, my life starts to only make sense within this context. Yeah. And that's a journey for each of us individually to come to. And I could only hope that today's mini retreat, that today's day-long practice, um, will help to kind of rekindle some of that stuff and get us deeper. Something that's also important to know, if you do want to go deeper in the practice, you have to understand, I almost want to say the laws of physics. Um, the mind is a, it's a, it's part of nature, right? Everything is nature, right? All this physical stuff is nature. Everything inside of us, consciousness, that's all part of nature. Everything is natural principles, right? So there's this, um, the, the, this you know, law of physics, you know, that uh, a body in motion stays in motion, right? Unless it is acted upon by an equal or opposite force that can kind of stop it. So this is just talking about momentum. It's talking about inertia. The Sanskrit word for that it would be karma, actually. So if you've ever heard the word karma or kama, yeah, that is just the principle that if you set something in motion, it's going to keep going in motion in that direction. So if you are at home all day uh, worrying about your financial situation and you sit down to meditate, what do you think is going to come up in your meditation, right? If you're fighting with your family or your kids or you're stressed out about something that's going on and you sit down to meditate, what's going to come up in that meditation? So we have this strange kind of fragmented mind misunderstanding that we think that I can just be heedless with myself all day long and I can stress and I can worry and I can fight and I can do things that I don't really feel good about, you know, and then I can come, but I meditate, so that's okay. And I would say to you, that would be like stirring a pot of water, right? And then all the water's spinning around. 
And then when you say, I'm going to meditate, it's like you pull out the spoon, but the water keeps spinning. And you'll just sit here for 10 minutes or 15 minutes or an hour watching that spin. And then you'll leave the room and you'll go back to stirring that pot again. Yeah. So when you do things like uh, Qigong, Tai Chi, um, yoga, different practices, that's like you start to stir the pot slower. Right? So it's still active. There's still these engaged activities. But it's like you're slowing down. Right? You're slowing down, you're slowing down, you're slowing down. But it's still not stillness. It's still not stopped. And meditation, it's really the only thing that can bring you to that place of stop, complete stop. Yeah, and only when the mind is completely stopped can the mind fully see what's going on. The, the, the knowing of the mind, when it stops, it fully can be present. Because a stopped mind is also a concentrated mind. So we all know the word concentration, right? But we usually think of concentrating as the effort that we're putting to force the mind onto the object we want it to be on. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Mm -hmm. Like right now, if I'm speaking and you're bored or you're tired, you're kind of like forcing your attention to be on Seth Monk, even though if you were to let go, it would run off somewhere else, right? This is what we learned in school. You'll be sitting in class. And you don't really care, but you kind of have to force your mind onto what's being done. Yeah, and it's exhausting, and it's, it's hard, and it's not sustainable. You can't hold and force your mind on something. So we know how to concentrate the mind, but the way that we do it is not a good way. It's not sustainable. It's not really going to work. The way to bring the mind together, for the mind to stop, to collect, to concentrate, it cannot be a force of willpower. Yeah? It has to be because we understand the natural principles of the mind. How does the mind work? How does a mind stop and slow down by itself? What are the qualities that I can feed into the mind that the mind starts to slow down? And to understand those qualities, you have to first understand what are the qualities that make the mind speed up? What agitates the mind? Yeah? What makes the mind stressed, busy? If you were to look closely, you would see at every single opportunity that the mind has um, to feel discontent, that every time the mind cannot fully be present, cannot make peace with this moment. Yeah? Every time that there's something that's a little off, that it wants, that it doesn't want, that it wants to change, here, in the future, in the past, the mind will be spinning around that. Yeah? Discontentment in all of its many forms is what moves the mind. Look at your own experience when you're angry when you're afraid, yeah? What does the mind do? It's buzzing around in circles, right? Somebody says something to you, makes you angry. The mind cranks up, starts whirring away, 
thoughts, right? You're afraid of something, worried, stressed. The mind's spinning around, spinning around. They say it's like flies buzzing around shit, right? You put the shit out and the mind will just keep spinning around it. So knowing that pain, suffering, discontentment, that activates the mind into busyness, that means the opposite. That means contentment, right? Peace, relaxation, happiness, joy, pleasure, enjoyment. Yeah, when you're watching a movie or a TV show, even if you're watching something on your phone, you don't even see the room around you anymore. You could be sitting next to like, the person you love the most in the world and you'll be watching something on your phone and you're completely in that world. You don't even see your peripheral vision anymore. You're just in that phone. Something that you enjoy, everything else fades away and the mind it sucks right into that thing that it likes. Yeah? I always say like, the easiest way to meditate is to go and sit outside in the sun on a nice day your mind completely just relaxes, it becomes present. Because when it feels good, your mind wants to be there, it comes in. If something doesn't feel good, like I said, if you're bored, if you're in pain, if something's going on, your mind tries to escape. Either goes off into fantasies, or starts buzzing around looking for ways out of the situation, or starts blaming something, right? So the way to have a peaceful mind, the way to have a collected, unified, concentrated, powerful, still mind actually has to also follow the path of positive emotions. It has to feel good. You have to feel good. You have to practice contentment, um, like the Thich Nhat Hanh books, right? That he talks about washing the dishes and just washing the dishes and saying it's okay to just wash the dishes. You don't need to escape from that. Just wash it. Be there. The water's warm. It's nice. It's okay. It's not going to bite. You know? That you have to start making your daily life again pleasurable. You have to start enjoying being in your own skin again. And it's really hard because our entire society is built away from that. We live in a culture that's built on distraction. That's built on escapism that's built on not enoughness. We don't have a lot of good um, emotional role models. How does one process emotions correctly? We don't have a lot of good role models for communication. Yeah. How to live harmoniously with other people. How to deal with ourselves. So we have a lot of backed up, stored crap that we still carry around that every time we do stop or try to stop, all that crap comes up. And then we're like, oh, I don't want to meditate or I can't meditate or, you know, it's too much. And we try to push things away. Because when we stop, it's not pleasant for a lot of us. When we stop, we're just faced with the same traumas, the same pains, the same frustrations that we're trying to get away from by meditating. And... Again, as somebody who's gone on a few longer-term retreats, um, one of the things that I've realized is you have to go through the, as Thich Nhat Hanh says, you know, no mud, no lotus. Um, or as Rumi said, you know, in the forest there are two rows of people. One row of people is walking into the fire and one is walking into the water. But those who have walked into the water appear in the fire and those who walked into the fire appear in the water. 
And what I take from that, it's that those who really go into the fire, they really go into those things that burn, that are painful, that they don't want to face, that are hard, that are difficult. Those are the people that are going to be able to find peace because that's how you transform things and you're free of them. Pulling the, the fly out of your glass of water so it's no longer irritating the surface. Yeah, plucking those things out that it starts to become smooth and solid. And in Buddhism, as a monk, you don't get to the monastery and they say to you, go off on a meditation retreat. You know, when I got to the monastery, they handed me a mop. Right? I'm saying I'm up. They handed me a mop. They said, clean the floor every single day for eight years. Every day, just mop, give, serve, be present, do this. Yeah? Stop uh, killing things, even ants, even mosquitoes. Stop eating meat. Stop doing anything that's harming any other being in any way. Stop lying. Stop telling untruths. Stop exaggerating. Stop using harmful speech. Yeah, everything you say has to be honest, direct, open, if possible, kind, helpful. Yeah, don't steal things. Don't take things that are not given. Respect other people's property. Keep your desire in check. Yeah, don't cross boundaries. And also, you know, as a monk, no sex. That's, God, for a 21-year-old, horrible. Yeah. No drugs, no alcohol, right? Sorry, can't search for any physical pleasures there. So it's putting up all of these stops, behavioral stops. Yeah. First thing in Buddhism, sila samadhi panya, sila. That's the beginning. It's behavior, it's virtue. Starting to live and create a more virtuous life starting to live in a way that you feel better about yourself, that you feel happier, that you feel more uplifted and relaxed. If you see the Dalai Lama, right, he sits up there on his throne and he just starts giggling and rolling around. You know, he's like a big child, right? It's wonderful. But he's also like one of, you know, if not the kind of spiritual leader of humanity in a lot of ways, right? Just loving everybody. It's all okay. Yeah? Totally open, just easygoing, soft, gentle. Yeah. And I see when I come into a lot of, you know, meditation rooms, everyone's really stiff and tight, like, okay, we're gonna meditate, you know. And it's like if you look to the people that are doing it, you see they're relaxed, they're soft, they're easy. Easy, 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 easy. Yeah, because they feel good about themselves. They know what do I need to hold? The Dalai Lama knows, I'm not going to tell any lies. I'm not going to steal anything. I'm not going to kill anybody. Yeah. I'm not having sex. I'm not getting drunk. I'm not doing any drugs. Yeah. I'm going to be as helpful as I can every morning. I'm going to wake up and pray. May I be a benefit to the world. May I going to help people. And then he'll come into the world and look around and say, hey, everybody. Yeah. Trying just to shine that sunlight, to be happy. Create some lightness in the world. Create some ease, some peace, right? That's what this is about, peace. We're not here to force ourselves into meditation, to beat ourselves over our head about practicing more or less, yeah? If we're doing that, that's not, what does that do for us? Nothing, that's, that's creating more suffering, yeah? Leave the judgments out of the practice, not, not important. So the more that we start living our lives in a way that we feel 
better about ourselves, that we feel more easy, that we feel more uplifted, that we feel like we're good people. Again, not judgment, good and bad, but good like, ah, oh, that felt good. When you give a present to somebody, ah, oh, that felt good. You do something nice that nobody else knows. Wow, you, you're almost like shining from the inside, right? You're doing good, be a good person that, for yourself, for your own compass, this feels good. Yeah, to thine own heart self be true, right? When you start feeling like a good person, also you'll come and you'll sit down to meditate and you'll just be smiling. Yeah, ah, oh, it feels good to be me. But not only it feels good to be me, but it feels good to be here. It feels good to be here. That sentence could be like a motto. Like that's what meditation is. It feels good to be here. Yeah? That's what's going to bring the mind in. Yeah? And the anapanasati, the in and out breathing, sutta from the Buddha. Yeah? This is the, one of the few kind of like formal meditation teachings. Like this is how to meditate step by step. The Buddha says, you know, you go, you sit upright. Yeah? Close your eyes. You set your mindfulness up in front of yourself. You start to breathe. You feel the breath coming in. You feel the breath coming out. You start to become relaxed. Then you start to become peaceful. Then you start to become joyful. Then happy. Then ecstatic. Bliss. Yeah? So the Buddha lays it out. And he said, you know, we have the physical, material body. And then we have the emotions the emotional world, right? And then you have kind of the, the, the mind, the mental perceptions and things. And it's a movement from gross to subtle. So the grossest thing we have are our bodies. They're gross, right? Really gross. Go look in the mirror. We're gross. <laughs> so the body's gross. Yeah? The next level, more subtle level, it's the emotions. Right? The grossest emotions would be things, right? Again, like anger, hatred, shame, guilt, fighting, all these heavy, painful ugh, things. Yeah? When you start moving towards things like generosity, kindness, love, patience, compassion, all of these things, these are more fine, they're more subtle emotional states. So the mind starts in a very gross way. And then it moves inwards from the breath, right? You feel the body, you're in this place. Then you're breathing, you feel the breath. Then you start to feel good, yeah? So the mind's focusing in, it's coming in, right? Starting to feel good, starting to feel peaceful. Ooh, this feeling of the breath rubbing against my nose, that's so peaceful. Now going from my mind being scattered to a million different places and, and my kids and the car and this and that. You know, suddenly the entire mind is just feeling this little point on your nostril with the breath flowing in and out and this intense feeling of peace that the mind is just right there. And then what's eventually going to happen is that even the feeling of the breath disappears and then there's just this intense peace. And then the mind starts to unify and it starts to drop in with itself. You retract from the senses. So you're not anymore projecting out through all of your senses. The senses pull in and the mind unifies within itself, yeah? And then you really drop into some of these deeper states, which I won't go too deeply into now because I may have already lost some people, right? But that's kind of the path. So we're starting to make this really beautiful internal climate for ourselves that the mind starts to come in, starts to be pulled in, starts to want to be in there. 
and then it starts to get more refined, more uplifted, more focused. And then there's kind of that tipping point where then it just unifies on itself and sinks. And, you know, the first time that I ever felt that, it, it was, it's, it's hard to put words to it, you know. Just saying the best feeling I've ever had, it doesn't even do it justice. Because more than that, it was almost like a deep existential relief. That on the deepest level, that feeling of complete and total wellness and peace and connection. No more duality. It wasn't like me and you, me and my body, me and my breath, me and my happiness. The duality dropped away as well. There was just expansiveness. There was just this presence and this piercing but deep and cool peace. And I realized that everything is actually okay and everything that I've ever been chasing for my entire life has just been an outward projection of this feeling that I could only actually find when the mind can fully unify within itself. And I came out of it and I was too happy to cry, but my heart broke open because the very first thing after, holy shit, I wish that I had known about this earlier, was, holy shit, I wish other people knew about this. Almost equally, in equal measures, the just awe of what I experienced with the pain that I knew other people were not experiencing this. That people didn't know. And that's part of my motivation for doing this. You know, It's just that really, really, really deep wish that I could just bring people towards that at least start bringing them towards that. I've only a couple times out of the thousands of people that I've taught, I've had like two or three people that, you know, after we talked, they actually hit those places. Um, so it's like the top of this kind of mountain, so to say. And it's accessible to everybody, but that also depends on you. It depends if that's where you want to go. It depends if that's where you're trying to go. It depends if you've built up enough of the conditions to get there or not. I taught meditation in a middle school classroom in Germany and a Vietnamese girl sitting in the front row after my 10 minute meditation with them. She opened her eyes and I said to the class, so, you know, how was it? And I looked at this girl and she looked up and she said, I was breathing. And then there was this bright white light. And then there was just peace. Mm -hmm. And she's describing a state called a jhana, which in Buddhism, that's the perfection of meditation. When you're reaching the jhanas, that's when your mind is completely pure and completely present and completely, and this, this light, it's called a nimitta, it's called a sign in Sanskrit, that you see this big light and there's just peace, and that's it. That's what the meditation masters in Burma are sitting there for 50 years in the jungle, huffing away, trying to get to this jhana. And this 12-year-old girl in her math class, <laughs> for a 10-minute meditation, hits it. You know? And that just shows, for her, that's a testament to how pure her mind was. That she must have just been such a sweet, pure, good person that when she dropped in, she had nothing, she was holding on to nothing in this world and she just slipped right into that deeper place.
And this is also what the Buddha talked about. And this is like why we, you know, fold our hands up in yoga class. They do the whole namaste, right? This namaste thing. I recognize the divine in all of you. This is actually when you fold your hands like this, this is the lotus blossom, right? This is the shape of a lotus. It's saying that a lotus, it grows from the mud, but when it can breach the water, then it opens up and it's soft and it's fragrant. And then even water can't stick to it. If you've ever seen a lotus leaf in real life, water just beads off it. Yeah, because each one of us, each one of us, although we are all sitting in the mud, some of us really deep in the mud, yeah? I'm probably like 10 feet under the mud, right? But I have the potential to, to open up, to really reach that place, to, to connect to that part of myself. And that's accessible for everybody, everybody. And it's really just up to you how far you want to go down that path Again, without judgments, like just be honest. If you're like, look, I'm freaking busy. I have a lot of stuff to do. I can sit maybe for five minutes once a week. I would say, great, do it. Yeah, just whatever you can do, whatever steps you can make towards that direction, make those steps. And just play with that and see kind of how to get into it and get deeper. But that's kind of where this whole thing is going. That's kind of the, the funnel of it all, is bringing the mind in. So, what my plan was for this retreat, um, I would like to do something like a sitting, walking, sitting format, meaning that we would sit for like a half an hour, we would maybe walk for 10 minutes and then we could sit for another 20 to 30 minutes and then we would have lunch we could come back we could do possibly a lying meditation I could lead that where you lay down I could lead a relaxation meditation if we'd like for a little bit we could come back we could do sitting walking sitting we could do a round of questions people can ask about how things have been going and then we can do a sitting, walking, sitting, and then a final group sharing. And that'll take us to the end of the time here. So it will be, um, so we're really going to dig into the practice. And you'll find for yourself some of the sittings are easier, some of them are a little bit more difficult, some you feel peaceful, relaxed, some you're restless, some you're tired. Don't give any weight to any of it. If you had a great sit, don't pat yourself on the back. If you had a horrible sit, don't punch yourself in the face. Yeah, let it go. Let a good sit go, let a bad sit go. Just let things go. It's okay, whatever's going on, just let it kind of slide, it's fine. It's a process. There are chairs available. If anybody at any point wants a chair, you don't lose like meditation points, right? If you're sitting in a chair, a lot of people, right, yeah, they try to force themselves. Again, this 12-year-old girl sitting in a chair in her classroom in 10 minutes hit this jhana, so doesn't matter. Um, your body is your body. Figure it out. You can even just have a chair sitting behind your spot that you could transition up and down from if you need to. So just putting that out there that, you know, um, the right way to sit is the way that you can sit for a long time and feel comfortable. And if you haven't found your position yet, then play with that and figure it out. Um, during the sits themselves, um, if you need to move, go ahead and move, right? So I'm not one of these militant, like, 
aditana, hold your discipline and don't move and your pain in your legs and go through the pain, you know. Um, that's not an interesting style for me. So I would rather say if at any point you need to adjust or move during the meditation, do so slowly. If you do so slowly, then it becomes part of your mindfulness. Even for myself, I'll be meditating and I'll just kind of like stretch up and I'll take like a deep breath and then I'll just come right back into it. Yeah, so there's no tightness around the practice. Don't think that you have to be tight, right? Relax, easy, Dalai Lama, giggling, right? Easy going, easy, easy, easy. Um, so I will lead a guided meditation for some of the meditations, and for some of the meditations, I'll kind of just let us kind of float off on our own, and we'll play with how that would work. Seth, what about falling asleep? If you fall asleep, it means you are tired. <laughs> Before we start, should we think about the temperature? Um, yeah. We've had it opened up. 